Lord, I do pray you would calm my brother's nerves, that you would just fill him with your spirit, Lord, that he would be full of faith and power, like we saw with Stephen. May your words flow through him this morning, and Lord, may your spirit be present here among us. And Lord, help us to repent of anything in our hearts that um, has come up against you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm never ready to preach. And... uh, well, first of all, let's just um, sing a song. Let's uh, turn to number 475. I was looking for a song this morning. I was trying to think of one at home, and I couldn't. I couldn't uh, come up with a song. And I was sorry, Caleb. I was spending most of my time thinking about what I'm going to share and. A song that would fit the need of my heart, and uh, ask my girls, well, maybe you have one. They, nah, I didn't like none of the ones they chose either. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I, I looked at the words of this song, and here's why I chose the song. So when people give a selection, I like to know why they chose this song. What is about the song that they like? Why did they choose the song? What speaks to them? And here is why. So here is why I chose the song. And in the chorus it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth. To thee I cry, when my heart is overwhelmed, and that's how I feel right now, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So when we sing this song, let's sing this song like um, this is a comfort and a rest to us, but um, with a heartfelt, um, heart that's God you are greater than me you are so much bigger than me so let's stand and sing this song and then um, we'll see what God has to say so are we going to have any takers to sing Descant are we going to have any takers Rebecca okay <clears throat> I will abide in thy dwelling place forever. I will trust and dare thy comfort claim. For thou, O God, hast heard me, thou hast given the that hear thy name. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto thy prayer from the end of the earth. To thee I cry. When my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a just shelter, a strong tower from the fierce enemy that threatened sword. 
to a message and he talked about um, the word of God and he made a statement that was interesting to me he said there's only there's only one villain in the Bible that is Satan himself there is one conqueror and that is Jesus Christ himself and uh, there is one message and that is about Jesus and uh, that really stood out to me as I was listening to this brother preach and uh, it was an amazing thought to me. I normally have a pre-sermon talk. <laughs> and uh, as I was meditating on my pre-sermon, I'm like, you know what? This ain't never going to work. Um, I think this pre-sermon is going to splash over into just a, just a, we'll just have a pre-sermon talk pretty much the whole t- way through. When Roger was talking about this bull, I read a story one day <clears throat> that I thought was real interesting. And uh, this man came, and I, we were t- while, he, while we're on this bull story. So <laughs> I thought, well, maybe this somehow fits along with his story. And uh, you children. So and uh, maybe this man should have took some of the advice that this mom gave to, his, to her daughter or son or whoever was scared of the dark. And one day, and I don't know where this happened. I believe it's a true story. If it's not, it makes, it, it makes a good illustration. How's that? And so this... Uh, this uh, State federal guy came out to this farmer's place and he um, said he's here to inspect and do whatever tax, you know, the tax collector comes around, see what you're worth. He measures your lands and does this and all that and another thing. However, 
This farmer said, sure. He said, you can go anywhere in this property except out there in this pasture. And, he, and this inspector flashed his badge and says, I will go where I want to. Farmer's like, okay, you just do that. <laughs> well, you know the rest of the story. There was a bull out there that, they didn't, that this inspector didn't see, and all of a sudden this farmer looked around and heard all this screaming and carried on and fussing Mariah going on, and the farmer says, flash him to your badge. <laughs> he should have prayed. He should have prayed. You know what? The bull didn't care about that guy. It's all the same. But, you know, many times we fear the dark in our lives. We fear the dark. We fear the dark. So when Jeremy asked me if I would share this morning, I'm like, it's been a long time since I preached, and I get scared. And I'm like, Lord, what message do you want? Some of you brothers have preached back-to-back two Sundays in a row, you know what? Take your shoes off and wash your feet. I mean, God bless you. (laughs) And uh, I was like inquiring of the Lord all day long, all week long, God, give me a message. Give me a message. I need a message for these people. I need a message for myself. And, uh, you know, there's the book, the Bible is full of the message of God, what God has for his people. But, God, I need a message. I need something to share with these people for myself. And I was, <laughs> I was like, poor me. I was praying. I was giving God all kinds of advice, what he should be doing, what he shouldn't be doing. And you know how this all goes. And, and I said, okay, God, then speak through me in a dream or a vision. I know we shouldn't maybe go there, but, you know, I just, God, you know, God, where are you at? You know, these are, these are questions. I'm just old-fashioned. I'm just made of human flesh. I don't got it all together. And there's things that I ask God. I'm like Job of old. You know, he has all these questions. And uh, so Thursday morning, I woke up with a start. At 1 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And I was dreaming. And, uh, of course, a lot of these things were going through my mind. When I fell asleep Thursday night, I said, here we are. And I mean, the week just got, woof, is gone. If, I have, if I'm called on to share on a Sunday morning. I mean, it's like, where did this week go? Here we are, Thursday morning. I still don't feel like I have a message. It's like, what? What are we going to do? Well, Thursday morning, I woke up. And Friday morning, I was chuckling in the shower. My wife was like, what's funny? I never did tell her because I never got that far. And uh, she said, what's so funny? And this verse, and, the, and this is what happened. And, you know, I, it's not so much about the dreams and the visions and all these things. I've said this here before. But it's about the message and what God wanted. And I God, okay, and this is the only thing that would come to my mind. I said, God, this is just so, this is kindergarten stuff. And God's like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was giving God all kinds of advice. God, these people already know this. I'm not going to tell you nothing. So I had this dialogue going with God. I don't know if you do that, but I do that all the time. Drive down the road, no music, nothing going on. Just dialogue with God. And there's one word that would come time after time after time. So one o'clock, I woke up with a start. And in this dream, I was in this, in, it was this one word, rejoice, rejoice. And so in this dream, I was rejoicing. I had a mic and I was singing. And we were as a family were singing. It was my turn to sing a solo. And by the way, I don't sing solos. But I was singing a solo. 
And I was like singing this song and I was making up words as it came to me that all harmonized. That is not me. I am not a poem. I am not a, I'm not a songwriter. But as I was singing, I was like, I can still see myself. I was looking down upon myself and I was singing with all my might. My family was around me and I was just a singing for rejoicing in the Lord. All these types of things. And finally I looked at my mic like, what do I have? I had a piece of ruler chain singing into this mic. And I woke up at 1 o'clock. I turned around and said, what time is it? 1 o'clock Friday morning. Rejoice in all your adversities. Because I was telling God, all these adversities, I feel like the wind, the track is going away from me. And he's just like, rejoice in me. Your confidence, your trust, your delight. And guess what I read? So, so, Friday, so Friday morning, I went to bed. I crawled back into bed at 4 o'clock. After I was, so I just started praying. God, I just started thanking God for all the things in my life that He has given to me. My family, my church family. I just started praying for you people in the church here. I just tried to think of where you sat in the church, and I just pray for you. God, I don't know what these people's needs are, but I just want to lift them up in prayer. I pray for my family. I pray for the salvation of my youngest boy. I pray for salvation for people, for the needs of my own life. God, give me a message. I need one. And this is the only thing that would come to me, is rejoice in the Lord. So I said, okay, God, we'll talk about rejoicing. We'll talk about rejoicing in adversity. We'll talk about rejoicing that you have to preach Sunday morning. We'll tell these people that, you know what, in adversity, you rejoice. Well, God, now's a great time to be rejoicing with all these adversities, with all these reverses. How can I rejoice when I have all these reverses in life? But God says, rejoice evermore. What does that mean? Anyone want to take a guess what Strong says? Forever. What else? I wrote it down. Because that means exactly what it... I rejoice in the fact I mislaid my notes. (laughs) Ah, Let's see here. Right here they are. I don't have much of a note. It says this. Well, first of all, take your Bibles. Open God's Word to Philippians 4. God's Word, Philippians 4. Verse 4. And it reads like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And verse 19, if we go to verse 19, it says, By, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go over to First um, uh, Thessalonians. Let's see if we can find that. First Thessalonians, chapter five, verse sixteen says, "Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Get and everything. Give thanks." So, you know, you know, we sometimes come across these times in our life when we just need to simply just give thanks to God. For everything he has given to us. He says, so rejoice means all forevermore means all the time, always rejoice in those two in those two passages. Rejoice has the same meaning. And it means this rejoice, cheerful, calmly, happy, well off, be glad and so forth and so on. And then Friday morning, I get up and I use um, a, a devotional, a, a daily verse. So turn to Psalm 37. 
And this is what the Lord had to speak to me. And I'm like, God, you are so good. You are so good. And this is what I read. And this uh, daily Bible reading, it takes you all over the Bible. A lot of times, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, so forth and so on. And this is what I read. Here's where my verses were. It was taken out of... um, Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5. But I'm going to read, I'm going to read one, uh, start at verse 1. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut off down like grass, wither as a green herb. And verse 3 says like this, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the, as the noonday. Verse 7, and this is where a lot of people, it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You know, that is very difficult at times in our lives to wait on the Lord and allow Him to open the doors and allow Him to do His work, allow Him to do all these things. And so in my mind, like, okay, God, so where can we, where can we learn to rejoice in adversity? And um, so here's what came to my mind right away. The Lord showed me who, Exodus. In Exodus, the children of Israel, as, they were, as Moses led them out, so we're going to do a fair amount of Bible reading this morning. I just think it's good that we, you know, this Bible story, is, it's been told many times. Most of you have know this Bible story, have been taught this Bible story from little on up. You probably can't remember the last time you were, when you first heard this story. This is nothing new. This is just old-fashioned stuff that has been written down, been preached down through the ages, and has been written thousands of years ago. It is nothing new, but it is history. And you know what? It hasn't changed any, because the same God that led the children of Israel out of out from Pharaoh is the same God that is wants to dwell within you and to lead you into um, and 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 lead your life and guide your life. And if you're not there yet, that I would I would plead with you this morning that you would allow God to leave leave with you. Well, first of all, in Job, I had to think about Job. Um, in Job 38, you know, Job has all these questions for God, and and Job is 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 questioning God, and 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 then I was he has he has he has all these things that he's asking God, and finally God says, "Look, now it's my turn to talk," and so God he launches in, and he's and he just like one right after another, he just is is telling Job, "Look, where were you?" When I created all these things, where were you when all these things were happening? Where were you? And um, in verse in verse uh, chapter 42, verse six, when 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 God was finally done speaking, then Job, it says in 42, verse one, it says, then Job answered the Lord and said, and let's go down to um, verse six. He said, wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. When Job saw the magnitude of who God is to a small degree. You know, God don't need your advice. God don't need my advice how to do things. You know, a lot of times I think I have some good, solid advice that God could take. Because, like, where were you when I created the earth? You didn't tell me. You know, how many times? Many times. 
When we're building something, we scrap it, throw it out. It don't work. It don't, don't work the way we want it to. God's not like that. When he said, let there be light, it's like, whoa, we got this thing a little bit too hot. We need to turn things down a little bit. In the wintertime, when the earth rotates, whoa, it's getting too cold here. We need, to, we need to get things adjusted. God don't work that way. When he says, he looks at it and says, it is good, he means it is good. He don't have to scrap and start over. You never read in Genesis where God had to build three earths or three universes to try to get it all straight. You know, that's not how he works. That's not how he works. And so God is interested in every little detail in my life. He don't need to take my advice or take my agenda because a lot of times when we're trying to give God advice, you know what's happening in the core of it all? We got an agenda. We got an agenda. And because I want things good coming my way. And uh, so let's start here in, in, in uh, Exodus. Let's go clear back to Exodus chapter 8. And we're just going to start. We're going to just look at these, these ten plagues. And uh, again, this is nothing new that you already don't know. But I would just like to make a few comments down the way. We're just going to read most of it. So let's turn to Exodus chapter. Uh, let's back up one. Let's, so we get the first one in Exodus chapter 7. And for in uh, chapter 22, does anybody know what the first plague was? Quickly. What was it? Water turned to blood. And you know, which you all know this, but these ten plagues were some of the t- t- things that the gods of the Egyptians, and God's going to show himself strong. You know what? I am God. And there is no one else above me. And... Uh, so he t- in verse 22 of 7, he said, And magicians of Egypt did so. Um, he turned the water into blood, and, Egypt, and, the mag- and the magician said, You know what? We can do the same thing. So they did their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and neither did he hearken to them as the Lord had said. Because because God had already told Moses, Look, Mo- Pharaoh is going to harden his heart against you, but I am going to show myself strong. And so... <clears throat> The uh, the magicians had this, it, it, they had the same power they could do the same thing. Pharaoh hardened his hearts, and we go over to uh, the second plague. Anybody know what the second plague is? Anybody? Frogs. How would you like that? There was frogs everywhere. I mean, there was frogs in everything. And can you imagine? Sometimes we get in these areas where there's lots of flies. These were frogs. They were into everything. It says that. The river which brought forth frogs abundantly shall go up and come into thine house in a bedchamber and a bed in the house of the servants upon their people into the they were just in the, in the cooking pans and the, they were just everywhere. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth thy hand and uh, thy rod over the streams and over the rivers and the ponds and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the rivers of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And then verse 7, it says, The magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs also upon the land of Egypt. If I was the magicians, even though I was a godless heathen magician, I would have been going the other way. Get rid of these things. But they made more of them. And um, it says that they could do the same thing. And I often read this and said, you know, why did, why, why did God allow these magicians to make more frogs? Or why did God give them or God allow Satan to give these people as much power as God? I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, could, I can't connect the dots. But, you know, I have to just rest on the fact I'm just going to allow God to be God. And um, the third one was lice. Let's go to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. 
18 and 19, and the magic, and the God, uh, so the very dust became lice, so there was lice everywhere. Ugh, you know, lice, ugh, who wants that? And that's just, it's just amazing. And verse 18 and 19, and the magician did so, and with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But in the ver and the Bible says, they could not. So there was lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. You know, the magicians, the people of Egypt, they had to recognize that this is the finger of God. This is not, we can't do this. And uh, let's go to the fourth one. What was the fourth one? Anybody, quickly. Flies. Flies. Now, how would you like that? There was, it, the Bible says that there were swarms of flies. But what was different about this one? In chapter in chapter eight, verse twenty-two, and and Moses said, "It is not me to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination." Um, twenty-two here. That was twenty-six. Sorry. And twenty-two, he says, "I will I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, the people the the Israelites, that no swarms of flies shall be there." To the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. You know, how many of the Egyptians said, you know what, let's pack up the camel train and we're going to the land of Goshen today. Because, you know, there's no flies over there. And, uh, but, you know, God put a division there. You know, who but God said, you know what, you flies, here's the line. You are not going to cross this line. You know, who but God can do that? And verse 25 says this. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. So you see Pharaoh, he's softening up here a little bit. And Moses said, It is not me to do so. You know, Pharaoh, um, Moses, they wanted to take everything. We shall sacrifice the, abun the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, we sacrifice the abomination of the Egypt before their eyes. We, and will they not stone us? And then he goes on to say, and, and Pharaoh, he was trying to make a swing a deal with them. You know, you can go out and, and go so far and take this much. And they're like, Moses, no, we got to take it all. We're, it's all gone. It's either all or none. And uh, you know what? Pharaoh, the flies went away. And then Pharaoh, he hardened his heart again. And uh, verse 32 says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Now we're into chapter 9. What was the next one? What's that? A plague on the livestock. A plague on the livestock. What were you going to say, Roger? The cows died. The cows died. Whoa. Okay. Verse 3 through 6. And he says, um, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camel, upon the oxen, upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine, a disease or a sickness. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle. Get this and get it good. The Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die at all which is in the land, in the children of Israel. You know what? I'm this rancher. I'm this big farmer. Hey, folks, my service, let's herd these cattle over into the land of Goshen because I don't want my cattle to die. That's not the way it works. I think God says, you know what? Those are Egyptian cattle. They're dying. It don't matter what side of the fence we're but We're going to put them out in this pasture in the, in the land of Goshen. We're going to put them with the Egyptian, with the Israelite cattle. So we'll save our cattle. But no, it's not going the way it's going to work. Let God be God, and He's going to figure out whose cattle's who. Okay, what's the next one? Number six. Oil. What's that? Oil. Whoa, that hurt. 
Boils, chapter 9, verse 8. Chapter 9. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Noah, Take ye handfuls of ashes in the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it became small dust in the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon people, upon the beasts, throughout the cattle, with, throughout all the land of Egypt. Now I'm telling you what, I'm feeling a little bit sorry for these cattle, because it's really not their fault that they got this yo-yo of a leader, this Pharaoh. It's not their fault. But you know what? Everybody is suffering because this man refuses to bow his heart. He refuses to bow his heart before God Almighty and to humble himself. But if you read this story, you will find from time to time that Pharaoh, he's, he's grabbing reverse. He's backing up a little bit because, you know, after a while you see Moses starting to come into your, in your office doors like, okay, now what? Wouldn't you feel that way? If I came to your t place ten, nine times and said, you know what? Guess what? Here's the deal. If you don't bend the knee, if you don't leave us go, this here's going to happen. Pharaoh hardens his heart. But you know what? The Bible says that the heart of the king is in God's hand, basically, was, is what's said. <clears throat> and Pharaoh, he was, a, he was a victim of circumstances, so to speak. But you know, at the end of the trail, God was going to show himself strong to God. To, um, God was going to show Pharaoh um, who is God. And you know, Pharaoh, he, he, as high and mighty as he may be, it's going to be God's way at the end of the day. What's number seven? Okay, now, Moses is going into Pharaoh's office again, the seventh time. So now what? What do we got? Hail. We got hail and what else? What else have we got? Hail and... Thunder, lightning. That's right. Hail, thunder, lightning, fire. Now, how would you like that? And that's also taken out of chapter 9, verse 18 and through 25. Let's read that. And behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a grievous hail. You know, the biggest hail I've seen was about the size, about three inches down or two and a half, three inches down. That was a huge hail. I mean, the siding on the house was just shredded. Holes punched through quad plastic. I can't imagine what this was like. Such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field shall not be brought home. The hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. <clears throat> he that feareth the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regardeth not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. The Lord say, said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be a hail in the land of Egypt upon man, beast, and every herb of the field throughout, all, throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched. Now, how do you think? I'm running on emotional gas right now. But how do you think Moses felt? You know, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. But he faithfully stuck his hand out. And he said, stretch forth thine hand out toward heaven. There may be hail in the land of Egypt. And um, we already read that. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven. And the, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Verse 24, so there, there was hail and fire mingle, mingled with hail, very grievous, very heavy, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. That's been a day or two. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field. 
both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree in the field. If you've ever seen heavy hail, you will, you will have a slight picture of how this all, this all happened. And verse 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. You know, God says, hail, here's the line. No lightning. This is going to be a sunny day over here. You know, once you feel like getting on a camel train and going to the land of Goshen, I wonder what would have happened. But you know what? Moses comes through the door the eighth time. Now what? He's coming into Pharaoh's office the eighth time. And I think by that time, Pharaoh's going like, okay, now what? Now what? Now what we got going? So now what's in that? What's the eighth play? Anybody know? Locusts. How many of you have seen locusts? I mean, they will destroy everything in their path. Let's see what happened in chapter 10. Let's move on to chapter 10. Locusts. Chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. And Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Else if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth. Folks, I mean, we're talking locusts here. Lots of them. You know, John the Baptist should have been well fed here. He just needed some honey. That one could not be able to see the earth, and they were eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. Get this, and they shall fill thy houses and the houses of thy servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers or fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were ate upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh his servant said unto him, Now I think Pharaoh's servants had more common sense than the, than the top dog. His servants are asking this question. How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. Get rid of this guy. He's going to wreck what's left. And Pharaoh said unto them, Go ye, sir, you that Lord thy God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young, old sons, daughters, flocks, herds. We will go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. For your little ones, look to it. For evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye, ye, ye that are men, and serve the Lord. And for that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said unto Pharaoh, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts. And then it says that the locusts came up and it defired the land. And then in chapter um, in 14, it says like this, And locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on the coast of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Very bad were they. Before they were so no such locusts as they. Neither after them shall be such. And they covered the earth, the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. Can you imagine 
what this was like. You know, just try to imagine in your in, in, the, in the imagination of your mind. Maybe you don't have an imagination like I do, and that's okay. And there remained not any green thing in the trees, the herbs, the field, throughout all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called. I would be calling 911 too. And it says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, Now we see Pharaoh is starting to humble himself. He says this, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. He's humbling himself. And he went out from he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned the mighty strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. Can you imagine? God starts blowing the wind. You know, he takes these locusts away and there's not one. And, you know, let's try to think like the Egyptians. You know, it's like no locusts. What peace? But you know what? Now what? What's number nine? Number nine. Who knows number nine? Darkness. Darkness. Okay. Chapter 10. Darkness filled the land. And verse 20 says, But the Lord, but the Lord hearkened Pharaoh's heart so that he could not let the people of Israel go. Can you imagine? Pharaoh, the leader of leaders of all of Egypt, Pharaoh, the big top dog, he couldn't help himself. It says that the Lord hardened his heart. And, the, and uh, so that he would not let the people go. In verse 21, it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. Now, I don't know what that feels like. Darkness that can be felt. You try to put yourself in those shoes that darkness can be felt. I can't imagine what this is like. And you know, there are some amazing things that went on. And, um, and it says that in 22, it says, Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. And they saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. I pity the person that was out there keeping cows that day. He had had a hard time. He had to be camping out. And it says that um, in all the... But it, it goes on to say, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. How, 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 how can you do that? But God, you know, God, He says... Darkness, you will draw a line here. The land of Goshen, the children of Israel, they're going to have light. There will be darkness there. You know, only somebody like God, the, the awesomeness of God, the, the majesty of God. Okay. And uh, let me see here. In, in verses 20 and 23, we... Uh, yes. Again, Pharaoh, he's 20, verse 24, chapter 10. Pharaoh, he's calling for Moses again. He said, he said, go serve, serve, serve the Lord. Only let your flock. So he's getting weaker. He's kind of chipping this thing away. He said, your flocks, your herds be stayed. Let the little ones also go with you. And verse 25 says, but Moses, and Moses said, 
Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. For therefore must we take to serve the Lord our God. We know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. Verse 27, it says, The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto him, unto Moses and Aaron, he said, Get thee from thee. Take heed to thyself. Here's where I think it gets interesting. Finally, Pharaoh says, I had enough. I'm telling you guys, you have been here nine times. And every time you folks came through the door, I just had bad success. You are destroying my land. You have said all these places. I had enough. And here's what he says. He says, Take heed to yourself. See my face no more. And I think this is interesting. When he said, see my face no more, he was preaching prophetically. And that's exactly the way it was. For in that day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. Pharaoh, in, in essence, said, you know what? You have been here. I'm done. I'm done. You come through my door, you're done. I'll kill you. But you know what? That's exactly what happened. He, not, but it wasn't Pharaoh that, that, that Moses had died, but it was Pharaoh himself. But God wasn't done yet. God wasn't done yet. What do you think the, the tenth one was? <clears throat> Anybody know? Everybody should know this one. The firstborn died. The firstborn died. Let's go to um, chapter uh, 11. Let's turn over to chapter 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet I will bring one more plague upon one more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence, and he shall let you go, and ye shall surely he shall surely thrust you out from thence together. Speak now in the ears of the people. Let every man borrow from his neighbor, every woman her neighbor, and jewels, gold, silver, and so forth and so on. So he was giving these instructions, Moses was, to the people. <clears throat> and you know, this is the, going to be the last plague. Then also, <clears throat> let's go on down to um, chapter 12. He was given instructions what they need to do. In, chapter, in the beginning of chapter 12, they were supposed to take this lamb. He was giving them specific instructions what it needs to be and what needs to happen. And... Uh, and you know, you need to be ready to go. In verse 11 of chapter 12, it says, And thus shall you eat it, talking about the lambs, and, your, and so this is the way they needed to be. Your loins gored, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. And verse 12 says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse. <clears throat> let's go on down to. Um, oh, verse thirteen. Here's here's a very interesting thing. And the blood shall be. And so they also. God was also. Get, let me back up the train a little bit. God was giving them instructions what to do with the blood of His lamb. And verse thirteen says, "The blood shall be to you as a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you." When I smite the land of Egypt. Now, I would like to take a little bit of time here. This is what I think is very interesting. <clears throat> how many people, how many children, especially the firstborns. How many firstborns? How many firstborns we got here this morning? We got a few. 
Okay, we got a few firstborns. And I would guarantee you, if you were living in the land of Goshen, in the land of Egypt, you would probably make sure, Dad, did you get the blood applied to the door? I would guarantee you, you would be double-checking, is the blood there? Now, I would like to ask you this morning, is the blood applied to your life this morning? Because there is a time coming when Jesus is coming back, and if the blood has not been applied to your life, you will be destroyed eternally. And... It says like this. Let's go to um, 29, chapter 12. Um, verse 28. It says, And the children of Israel went away as, and did as the Lord had commanded. Moses and Aaron so did they. So he, the children of Israel were taking these things very seriously. They did exactly what, what Moses and Aaron had, had told them to do. And, and they, were going to, they were going to make, and it says, the last three words of the verse 28 says, so did they. They weren't going to question nothing. Hey, you know what? After seeing all those plagues and all that destruction of Israel, how many times would you, well, Moses, are you in your right mind this morning? Are you okay? Are you going to, are you going to question his authority anymore after the, after the children of Israel seeing all the destruction that happened to Pharaoh? All is like, yes, sir, we will get her down. We will, we will make this happen. We will not question your authority. We will not question this God of heaven. He means what he says. You know, what has changed since 2000? Nothing. The word of God still means what it says today. It still means what it says. In verse, in, in verse 29 of uh, chapter 12, it says this. <clears throat> 29. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that is in dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. That was a huge... Um, that was a very devastating because the firstborns, you know, there's a lot more that could be said about the about these ten plagues, the gods of Egypt. There's a lot more. I already I have some literature home. I read it's like amazing why and why God chose these ten plagues and why He used what He did. It's amazing um, the research that whoever this guy was did um, and how why God did what He did with these ten plagues. In chapter um, verse 29, it says. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, and they, as they have said, as ye have said, and be gone. But then Pharaoh says, Bless me also. Why did he say that? I didn't research it, but why did he say that? That's something for you to think about. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they should be sent out from the land in haste. For they said, we'd be all dead men if these guys stay. Let's get rid of these guys. Let's get them out of here. And you know, they t- it says, well, we'll touch on that a little later. In verse, in, let's go to 13. 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 21. Oh man, we're running out of time. In chapter 13, it says this, And the Lord went before them by night in a pillar of a cloud and led them away. Let's read that over again. And went before them by day in a, cl- in a pillar of a cloud and led them away. 
and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he took away the pillar of the cloud by day. Let me start. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So that God's presence was always there. You know, there is nothing more than a saint of God wants God's presence with you. You know, is the pillar of God, is the pillar resting upon you? Is, the, is God's presence resting upon you? If it's not, we need to figure out why. Is God, you know, sometimes the heavens seem like brass. And sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered. But, you know, don't forget that God, is, His ever-watchful eye is with you. He wants, he wants you to bring him to, you to Himself. And to, and to be the person that God wants you to be. Let's go to chapter 14. I was just going to read this chapter, but I can already see we're way out of time. Let's go to chapter 14. And here we are. <clears throat> here we are. We, this, I, I've often talked about this thing because I think this, this is so neat. And uh, the children of Israel, as they were going out, and, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now, he's, he's, Mo, he's, Moses is already telling the children of Israel, Now, look, this is what's going to happen. Okay? Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pirahoroth, uh, which is by Megiddo. And I tried to Google this morning, find out exactly where it's at, but names change and things happen. Things got moved around. I don't. I couldn't find it on Google Maps. Imagine that. And the sea, and over against. Um, I don't know how to say that either. Before it shall be and camp by the sea. They were going to be by the sea, and Pharaoh will say of his of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So Pharaoh, he's already saying, look, these guys have left town, but you know what? They're going to be entangled. They're going to get lost out there in the wilderness. But you know what? Pharaoh, what he forgot to calculate was, you know what? I'm God. I'm God. And you don't think that I can lead these million people plus cows and horses and cats and dogs? You don't think I can lead all that across, across the desert and get them safely where they need to be? But Pharaoh says... In his heart of hearts, he gathers up his army. And, I, and, and, uh, and verse 4 says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts. So what was the last thing that God did with Pharaoh? Anyone want to take a guess? Where was God going to show him strong in the, in the heart of Pharaoh? Anybody want to guess? The Red Sea. The Red sea. What happened? Drowned. He drowned. Whoa. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon, for we already read that. And the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And I was told of the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Hey, all our employees left. That they have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen, the best of the chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and the captains over every one of them. So Pharaoh, he was rounding up his army. He was getting his, his hosts of people together. And we're going to chase these guys down. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out. And it said, the Bible says this. Get this and get this good. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. I think that's interesting. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was going to make sure that there was no one going to get away. You know what? I'm going to load up my whole army. I'm going to get the whole host together. And we are going to chase these guys down. And we are going to catch them when they get to the Red Sea. When they get to the water. And um, it says that. 
But the Egyptians pursued after them. I've read that. And his horses and his army and overtook them and camped by the sea. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Hey, you know, the children of Israel, when they looked up, they shouldn't have folded up. The children of Israel, when they looked up, they should have stood up. That's what should have happened. They should have folded up. How many times do we see, we find ourselves in predicaments, we look up and we look around the circumstances around us, and we fold up. We should be standing up. <clears throat> Especially when Moses was already told what was going to happen. And, uh, okay, verse 11. And they said it unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. And I... <laughs> Wherefore, thou hast dealt with us. Why, they're asking, why did you carry us? Why have you dealt with us this way? Why did you carry us forth out of Egypt? Verse 12 says, Isn't that, is not this word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? You know, how many times are we willing to take the second place? How many times are we not willing to, to go with the best that God has given to us? The, the, Isra, the Isra, Israeli people, the Israelites... They were willing to sit there and serve the Egyptians and not follow God. And how many times have we found ourselves in the same place? We're willing to take second base instead of taking the top shelf. And, uh, you know, we, we're people. We, you know, how many of us would have done exactly the way these, these, um, these Israel, children of Israel? And, uh, excuse me. And you know, why were the children of Israel, they were second-guessing Moses, and they seen all the ten plagues, they seen all the miracles that God has worked, and yet they were stabbing Moses like, come on, and uh, why are you doing this? Is this a trick? Is this? And they were, can you imagine how Moses felt? He was probably ready to pull his hair out. And Moses said unto him, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, when the need is the greatest, the miracles follow. When the need is the greatest... God has the greatest opportunity to work, and which we will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Why criest thou? Wherefore criest thou unto me? Verse, uh, chapter uh, 14, 14, verse 15. Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may go forward. But I, but lift, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch forth out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. And I will behold, I will behold, I will harden the hearts of Pharaoh, and they shall follow in after them. And I will give me honor unto Pharaoh and upon his hosts and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honored upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. Verse 19, verse 19, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before, from before their face and stood behind them. And it became between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them. You know, that was kind of an interesting thing. Here's the line. There's darkness here. Here's light. You know, we're going through this river. We're going through the Red Sea here. And it gave them light by night to these. So that the... One that came near to the other at tall that night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord divided the, street, divided the sea through a strong east wind that night. And the land became dry. And the waters were divided. And the children 
of Israel went through and the midst of the sea upon dry land. And the water was a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued it after them to the midst of the sea. Even all Pharaoh's horses and his, his uh, chariots and his men, his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning. And, watch, and it came to pass that in the morning, watch the Lord <clears throat> looked unto the hosts of Egyptians through the pillar of fire of the cloud. And troubled the host of Egyptians. I think at that point in time, I said, "Well, we're not going in there, because you know who's going to who's is this wall going to is this wall water going to be standing up?" But I think they were so possessed, and they had to remember. We have to remember that God was in control of Pharaoh, and the Lord said unto Moses, "Stretch out thine hand." Here we have it again, Moses stretching out his hand. You know what went through Moses' mind? I can reason it all out. I can say, "Well, Moses." If I stretch out, these Egyptians are dead. But maybe at that point in time, he didn't care. He was just being obedient to, to God Almighty. Over the sea and over the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon the horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned unto its strength, and the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned, covering the chariots, the horsemen, the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not one much as one of them. And the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and left hand. Lord, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And, the, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. Get that. Get it good. And believed the Lord and his servant Moses. My time's up. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. I'd like to quickly here. Chapter 15. The first seven verses. And then they sang. The song, they sang. Moses and the children of Israel sang the song unto the Lord and spake. Now you may be asking, what does this have to do with rejoicing? Okay, we're finally here. We're finally here. <clears throat> and, the, and here they sang this song. And I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown in the store. The Lord is my strength and song, and he became my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in an adaptation. My, father, my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his na name. Pharaoh and his chariots and his host were cast into the sea. His chosen captains were also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths were covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. The right hand of the Lord, O Lord, became glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. In the greatness of thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Many of you have seen field fires... And, you know, they were just they were just gone. Verse nine, the, the enemy also I will pursue. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. You know, does that sound like Satan himself as a as a child of God? He wants to do to you. The enemy said, Satan says, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them. And the, and, the, and the song goes on and on. In verse 22, verse 22 of chapter... And the, so Moses brought forth, brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out of the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So now, let's back up a little bit. 
The children of Israel were singing high praises to God Almighty because they were delivered of the children. Now, here we are, three days later, and they're grumbling and complaining because they ain't got no water. I mean, come on. They didn't see. They didn't understand that God is still on the throne. Was God testing them? I don't know. But how many times do we find ourselves in the same place? You know what? When we find ourselves in trouble, it is hard to rejoice. That is the known fact. But maybe we need to cultivate that in ourselves. That we learn to rejoice in the adversities that God has given to us. When God, when things, when the wind isn't blowing in our direction, so to speak, when we don't think things are coming my way, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice in the fact that God Almighty has everything in control. When things don't go our way, when things, when, 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 when it just seems like the world is against us, can we rejoice in the fact that God is my, Almighty? Can we start counting our blessings? And, and like the children of Israel, they sang the song. But you know what? You know what was wrong with the song? They sang the right, they sang the right song, but it was on the wrong side. And how many times do we do the same thing? We sing the right song, but it's on the wrong side. You know, when I woke up in the morning, on that Friday morning, I started praising God for all the things that He has given to me. Instead of complaining and, and, and wondering, God, where, where are you? Instead of whining and giving God all kinds of advice and giving Him an owner's manual that I think, you know, this would be a good directive for Him. No. Can I accept what God has implied for my life? Whether it's here or there or wherever it is, can I accept the fact and rejoice in the fact that God is God? And can I surrender and, and submit my will to Him? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this story, even though we went over so fast. And there's things in here, Lord, I do not understand. That there are things here, but the little bit that I do understand, Lord, just help us to grasp the fact we are to rejoice in adversity. And Lord, how many times have we judged these children of Israel for what they did? And we had we had hard hearts like Pharaoh and said, you know what, those guys, why didn't they not why didn't they not just rest in the fact after they seen the ten plagues, after they seen the crossing of the Red Sea, after they seen Pharaoh's army drown in the sea and rejoice? And three days later we're complaining and whining and upset because we're thirsty. And Lord, I totally understand. You know, they were humans just like I am. And Lord, we will confess. I will confess this morning how many times that I am just exactly like the children of Israel. But by your grace, dear Father, this morning, we intend to look up to you and not to fold up, but to look to you and to stand up and say that you are God. And you are interested in my life. You are interested in the details of my life, and each one here. So, Lord, we just humbly submit to you here in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Jim. Thank you, brother. What it, what it, what it would have been like to read this chapter as Glenn went over that and here all that happened. And then it says in 14, verse 11. <clears throat> and they saw the Egyptians coming. And what if the chapter would read? And they all started praising the Lord and rejoicing. And then what about chapter 15? And they ran out of water and they all started rejoicing and praising the Lord. And then chapter 16. It says. Uh, verse two. And the whole congregation of the children began to praise the Lord because they're in the wilderness now. What's the difference? What's the difference between one attitude and the other attitude? 
Anybody got a thought? Faith. Faith. Think about that. They see something that really, they're afraid, right? Here comes the Egyptians. But then they remember back all those amazing things. And they say, Lord, you are mighty. You are strong.